Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Joining you as always, Mr. Mark Daly and Mr. Mark Hamilton. We sit here now, gosh, probably 15 hours clear of a thoroughly entertaining, if not controversial, British Grand Prix. It was a packed weekend. We got a glimpse at the 2022 contender, at least a plastic template of it. Mm -hmm. We got to watch qualifying on Friday. Of course, myself, like a lot of people in North America, I think probably scheduled a meeting in their calendar to make sure that they could see it during the day. (laughs) On, On Saturday, we got our first taste of sprint qualifying. And today we had a Grand Prix. And ultimately, I I think Andrew Benson really summed this up best in an article he wrote for BBC today when he said that today was not just a seismic event in the in the championship, but possibly in the history of Formula One. And we're Mm -hmm. absolutely going to get into it. But for so many reasons, I think we're going to be talking about what transpired this weekend, not for weeks and months, but possibly for years. Yeah, it's one of those watershed moments, isn't it? And I couldn't help but thinking after it happened to all of you out there that decided that this season needed controversy. There you go. You got the controversy that you were asking for. And boy, wow, what's what a shock. I, I did not expect that. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about it because obviously this whole first lap incident with Lewis and with Max is the big talking point and rightly so. But it was interesting because going through Friday, going through Saturday, it looked like it was going to be status quo, right? That the, the, the Red Bull just had that slight edge against on uh, again on the Mercedes. Then we get to Sunday afternoon, the lights turn green. And Lewis is all over the back of Max Verstappen in in that opening lap. I mean, he was trying to go around him from side to side, underneath him, over top of him. Anyway, he's trying to get around because I think, and I you know, I haven't heard anything otherwise from Lewis, but my suspicion is that he figured that he needed to make that move and he needed to make it quick before Max got into the groove, established that couple of second lead like we've seen, and he gets in the dirty air and is just a, unable to pass him on the track and then maybe has to hope for maybe the undercut or the overcut at the pit stops or something like that. So I think that he had a great start. He was clearly faster than Max on that opening lap and he had some opportunities because Max was desperately defending and then we go to the end of the old pit straight and then it all happened and I I had to go back I, I watched the highlights again just before we sat down in the studio just now Mark and it was uh, <laughs> it was shocking then and it, uh, it it still just blows me away now like like you say 15 hours later whatever it is. Yeah, and what we saw today, what we saw during the Grand Prix, this is something that was building 
not just from Friday through Saturday into the race, but this is a moment we've been building to all season. And sure, you and I yeah. have talked so much about the fact that these two drivers, and, and they battled, absolutely. We saw about them battle in Imola, in Portugal, in Barcelona, that this moment was always going to come. And it was really more of a matter of when rather than if. But the weekend got off to, at least from a, a Mercedes fan perspective, a, mm -hmm. a pretty phenomenal start. Friday night qualifying, the first time we've ever seen that at Silverstone. Hamilton, and I, I keep, I have to keep stopping myself. I keep wanting to say took pole, but ultimately won the quote-unquote Speed King Award as the uh, the top qualifier. He celebrated with the fans. Uh, there was 120,000 people there. Uh, everybody was going wild. I think he was feeling good. Mercedes was feeling good. And mm -hmm. I think throughout Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton fandom, there was this, this sense, this, this, ripple of relief that came over them because for the past two months red bull has just seemed unstoppable and for hamilton mm -hmm. to go out there capture that speed king award he's up 1.7 seconds or two tenths of a second on max i think i think had the mercedes crowd feeling pretty good and those of us that were looking for a really tight championship were pretty excited about this of course we go into sprint qualifying to your point lewis doesn't get the start he was expecting he's He's pegged that down to mechanical issues and nothing that he did incorrectly, but they battled for the first few corners and exactly what you described happened, which is what we've seen time and time again this year, which is if Max gets a great start and he gets some clean air, he's gone. He's got mm -hmm. the race pace. And obviously that was something that we saw with the steering Grand Prix and the Austrian Grand Prix. And I think there was a sense coming into this race that maybe things would be different. This is a slightly more technical track. There's more corners. The Mercedes are really well planted in those corners. But then we see in sprint qualifying that, that Max just walks away with it. So I think coming out of Saturday, Hamilton at least mentally, may have been a little bit disappointed, a little bit crushed. He's in front of his home crowd. He was on the front row for sprint qualifying, lets it get away from him. And then to your point, that built some urgency, which played into the Grand Prix. Yeah, urgency. I think that is the perfect word to describe it. And well, actually, before we talk about the incident itself, let's just to really quickly just to go down and uh, go over the, the race classification through the, the first 10 positions, the point pain positions. Lewis Hamilton winning the race, leading home Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari. No, you did not hear that incorrectly. Valtteri Bottas in the second Mercedes rounding out the podium. Lando Norris and Danny Ricciardo coming home fourth and fifth for McLaren. I think kind of a quiet afternoon for Danny Ricardo and to an extent uh, Lando Norris. Carlos Sainz coming home sixth for Ferrari. Uh, Fernando Alonso, seventh uh, for the Alpine, which I think was a, a pretty decent uh, result for them. Lance Stroll, P8 in the Aston Martin. Esteban Alcom, P9 for the second uh, Alpine, pardon me. And then finally, P10, Yuki Sonoda in the first of the Alpha Tauris. So obviously the two big non shows no shows in the top 10 obviously max verstappen crashing out after that accident with uh, lewis hamilton on lap one and then sergio perez starting from the pit lane and he just wasn't able to really progress higher than i guess what, what did he get up to maybe about p10 p9 did yeah. he get as high as p9 during the race and then pitting very late to try and uh, sneak away the fastest lap that single point from from Lewis right. Hamilton by going switching on the soft tires, which he did. But I don't think he got higher than P10, did he? I don't think so. No. So I mean, the Red Bulls obviously notably absent uh, for, from the top ten. But Mark, we we have to talk about the the incident itself coming to the end of the old pit straight there. 
Lewis going one way and then another. Max making his one defensive move. Lewis may be missing the the apex a, a little bit. Max turning in because he was going to have to turn in at some point. And I guess the million dollar question is, did Max leave him enough room? Did Max turn in too soon? Did Lewis not give Max enough room? Was Max ahead and therefore had the racing line? My initial reaction was that this was a racing incident. And I went back and then I looked at it and I thought about it and I, I watched it again during that uh, that red flag uh, period and I, I, I just felt that it, it was a racing incident. And I felt if you're going to portion blame, maybe give a little bit extra to Lewis because he was the car behind. He maybe had that opportunity to back out a little bit. But then again, this is happening at what, at the end of the old pit straight, so probably approaching 200 miles an hour. And I mean, these guys are good when it comes to reaction times and things like this, but it just literally happened in the blink of an eye. I think ultimately the way that the the FIA went, the way that the stewards went, giving him the 10-second penalty, which, you know, let's face it, the bar has been set pretty low this year for what they're handing out uh, penalties for. And I, I felt that just based on what we'd seen, especially a couple of weeks ago in Austria and then also this week as well, uh, you know, over the course of the weekend and some of the penalties were handed out that just based on that alone, it... Uh, it seemed right. I, I felt watching it that, I don't know, I felt that it could have gone either way, but I, I felt after thinking about it, I wouldn't be too surprised once things get going again that Lewis was going to be the one coming off worse for wear on the side of a penalty, although he's still in the race, obviously won. So, I mean, the damage to him was somewhat minimal. You know, it's funny. I think your opinion on this has evolved as the course of the day has gone on, has it not? Yeah, well, I, I've watched that that incident now probably at least 25 times. Yeah. So yeah, it has evolved, uh, absolutely. But in 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 the beginning, I went, when I watched it, and I think I messaged you right away, oh, that was 100% Lewis's fault. Yeah. And then when I went back and watched the, the, the replay again, not just uh, during that red flag uh, period, but then you know, also after the race, Multiple times uh, during the <laughs> the afternoon and evening here, yeah, my 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 opinion has absolutely evolved. I don't know if you want to call it sixty forty Lewis or fifty five forty five or fifty one forty nine. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it sucks if you're Max Verstappen. If you're Lewis, maybe you feel you're a bit a uh, bit bit lucky. And I don't want to be apologist for for either one of these guys. I I think that your opinion is going to be very slanted towards which driver you're backing in the championship. But, but I mean, when you see, I mean, Max, he does squeeze him earlier than I thought when it happened live. And Lewis, I don't think he hit the apex of that corner quite right. You know, there, there's a lot not. going on. And I think when you kind of take all these variables into consideration, I, I think, yeah, it, it's, it's too much, I think, to lay it at the at the feet of one driver or the other. And I think ultimately, yeah. I guess the 10 seconds was right, you know, the, the way to go. But I suppose when you hear some of the comments coming out of the Red Bull garage, you know, they, they're obviously understandably upset about the whole thing and causing for or calling for much sterner penalties. But good luck, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I can sympathize with them, but I, I just don't see how they, they can press for more. Definitely. And you and I talked about this quite a bit earlier today. I think first and foremost, 
Max is healthy. He's okay. Clearly shaken up. Possibly a concussion. We don't know for sure. That hasn't mm-hmm. been reported. He hit that wall at 51 Gs. The two cars <laughs> were going through that Crazy. corner at close to 180 miles per hour, 300 kilometers an hour. It's arguably the fastest corner, if you want to call it that. The fastest corner in all of Formula One. So let's let's not forget for a moment the severity of that incident. And and I think we're also lucky that. There wasn't uh, a moment where Max's left front and left rear tire dug into the ground, which could have just kind of a trigger to roll. Like, we're lucky. He's lucky. We're all mm-hmm. very, very lucky. But I just, I want to be crystal clear that this is very much a divisive issue. And as I scrolled through the Reddit comments and I scrolled mm-hmm. through the Twitter comments, I couldn't really find a consensus one way or the other. There seems to be a camp that's very much of, hey, this is a Max issue. And there's a camp that's very much that this is a Lewis issue. And yeah. I went to, I went to a lot of the press because I wanted to get a sense of where they were leaning. You know, what was, what was Andrew Benson saying and Jenny Gao saying and Lawrence Barreto and Will Buxton? I wanted to get a sense of where all these folks fell. And surprisingly, although maybe not surprising because a lot of them are based out of the UK, there was generally a sense that maybe this is more of a racing incident, but maybe the penalty was fair. But I just I want to be clear to our listeners that it's it's okay that there's a variety of opinions here. And I think it's mm-hmm. okay because there was no question. And anyone who suggests that it was, there's no question that this was not intentional. There's no question whatsoever that Lewis went into that corner looking to make contact. And I saw a ton, a ton of people online today trying to compare this to Schumacher and JV in 1997. (laughs) And that is one of the most absurd comparisons I've ever seen. At the end of the day, to me, this is... This is a racing incident, and if you want to proportion a little bit of blame to Lewis, again, I'm I'm actually okay with that. You know, he he went in hot. He had a great toe. He stepped to the left of of Max, as he said, trying to quote unquote dummy him, although trying to trick him, I think, throw him off. Went to his left, stepped to his right. He went harsh and hot into the inside corner of that turn he absolutely did oversteer partly because he was carrying so much speed and partly because he was on a dusty dirty piece of the track and then simultaneously max who had stepped out who'd Mm -hmm. stepped to the outside of the track in an effort to find the optimal racing line he ultimately turns into hamilton and for me absolutely hamilton was being very 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 aggressive in that corner i mean we've seen it and ultimately max made a move not totally dissimilar to that at spain earlier this year and Christian Horner called that a quote unquote mega move. And I don't find that this move was much different than that. But ultimately, I proportion blame both ways. And I'm not mad at the FIA. I'm not mad at the stewards for giving Lewis a penalty given the circumstances. But I just want to be clear that Max needed to have understood and recognized that Lewis makes making an aggressive move and you needed to account for that. And ultimately, you're, you're battling for the championship. And if you were to let Lewis through, that's not the end of the world because you're likely going going to catch up to him and attack him in the next corner and you're still going to have DRS and it's still going to be a competitive first lap. It was a, it was a risky move for Hamilton and he got a penalty and it was a risky move for Max and ultimately he made contact. Lewis made contact with him and his race was over and he didn't collect any points. So for me it's 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 a racing incident. If you want to give Hamilton a penalty, I totally get it. He went in mm-hmm. hot. I just think Max had an opportunity to adjust his racing line, run a little bit wider because he had plenty of room. But ultimately, I don't want to also microanalyze this because this is 
arguably the two best racing drivers in the world, racing the two best cars in the world. They went neck to neck, head to head, wheel to wheel through the first four, five, six corners. And this is all any of us ever ask for. But when that happens and there's contact, there's going to be incidents like this. So I'm not mad. I'm not mad at anyone. And we'll certainly get into some of the comments that came out as a byproduct of this. But absolutely, if you want to proportion a little bit of the blame to Hamilton or even the majority of the blame, I get it. I just, I want to be clear that I think that Max could also have adjusted his racing line if he hadn't been so aggressive himself. But yeah, totally. I, I mean, it works uh, both ways. I mean, they still had uh, 51 and a half laps to go in the race. Max could have backed off and let Lewis through and attacked him in the next corner on the next lap. And and on the flip side, Lewis could have done the same thing. But like we said a little bit earlier, there was probably more urgency, a sense of urgency from from Lewis knowing that if Max establishes Absolutely. that little bit of a lead, Absolutely. then you know that, that race is as good as done. And he's going to have to rely on other means to try and gain an advantage uh, elsewhere. Anyways, let's take a quick break here, Mark. We're going to come back. A couple of uh, comments uh, popping up in the YouTube uh, chat. So I'm going to just talk about those in a moment. And so we'll do that. So guys, don't go away. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And we're talking about, well, what else are we going to be talking about on a Sunday night after a very eventful British Grand Prix in which we saw a collision between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen on lap one? Uh, before we do that, I just want to go down quickly through the driver's standings in the top five. Uh, Max Verstappen, no points scored today, obviously. Lewis, maximum points. That means that gap that was, what, 32 points is now just down to seven or eight points. Uh, Max is on 185, Lewis on 177, Lando Norris still third in the constructors with 113, Valtteri Bottas fourth in the drivers with 108, and Sergio Perez rounding out the top five with 104 points. Now on the constructor side, again, this is uh, closing down because Mercedes first and third this afternoon taking home a very nice chunk of points, but uh, still it is Red Bull leading the Constructors' Championship on 289 points. Mercedes closing the gap now just to four points. They're on 285, pardon me. McLaren still third in the championship with 163. Ferrari 148. And Alpha Tauri rounding out the top five with 49. So I just want to address a couple of comments that have popped up in the, the live chat here on uh, the YouTube live stream. Shavanshu says, I think it was never Lewis's corner. He's way off the line. He should have given up on the corner around 20 meters before. 
Uh, Wallace Andrew Torres, I think this is only a big deal because the crash was so brutal, just as likely to spin him out, but it was scary looking. Yep. And it was scary looking, absolutely. And I just want to touch on that because I think that is a fantastic point. If the outcome wasn't what it was, mm-hmm. do the stewards look at this in the same way? And I think the other question here too is, if this same incident happened between um, Jovanazzi and Raikkonen or Mazapan and Latifi, are we talking about it in the same way? And are we scrutinizing the penalty that the stewards did give in the same light? Because I think from Red Bull's perspective, they're upset not at that specific incident, but mm-hmm. what the outcome of the incident led to, which was that they gathered no championship points. Hamilton maxed out. Well, I guess he didn't max out because he didn't pick up the fastest lap. So the fact that Hamilton picked up 25 points, and it seemed like the perception amongst that Red Bull kind of community of fans was that ultimately the impact to their title hope should be accounted for in the penalty when maybe that shouldn't be the case. And Wallace makes a great point too. This this could easily have been a moment where both cars got tangled up and both of them spun into the gravel. It could have been that Lewis could have sustained significant damage. It could have been that Lewis sustained damage and maybe Max didn't, but absolutely. And I did absolutely make a note of that, which is the incident was amplified by the circumstances. The incident was amplified by the fact that it's these two drivers that are challenging each other for the championship. And it was amplified because of the crash itself. Yeah, another great point from Wallace, and he says, uh, and to Mark's point just now, I assume... I guess both of us. Uh, he says, and to Mark's point just now about Max being just as aggressive, two turns earlier, Max waited super late to break after Lewis had passed him. So absolutely. I mean, they were going back and forth at that entire lap. And again, I mean, th- this has basically been building from race one from Bahrain and that incident there. And I mean, right. it very much kind of has a similar feeling to me watching way back in the day Senna and Prost although maybe that boiled and simmered for for a lot longer but I really had a Japan 88 vibe although the championship was much more developed and advanced at, at that point compared to where we are now at race 10 compared to what was that that year race 15 or 16 basically it might have been the last race of the year but uh, anyways I think that's a, a great uh, point but I think it was interesting too, and this will kind of maybe lead into some of the other comments that have come out of the Red Bull camp here. And it's basically the synopsis of the stewards' review of the whole incident and their release uh, that that they came out with after the race. And it says, quote, the stewards have reviewed the video and telemetry evidence. Cars 33 and 44 entered turn nine with car 33 in the lead and car 44 slightly behind and on the inside. Car 44 was on a line that did not reach the apex of the corner with room available to the inside. When car 33 turned into the corner, car 44 did not avoid contact and left the front of car 44 contacted the right rear of car 33. Car 44 is judged predominantly, and the emphasis here is mine, predominantly at fault, which I think is is very in- interesting. I mean, they, they've basically summed up uh, what we've said in a very dry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very dry and very unemotional <laughs> in that uh, sort of two and a half uh, paragraphs. But I, I think the judge predominantly at faults, I think is interesting because they're leaving that, you know, <laughs> pun intended here, leaving the door wide open, although not specifically mentioning it, that although they're giving the, the, the majority 
majority of the blame to to Lewis that Max wasn't exactly squeaky clean himself in the eyes of the stewards. I want to refer to a story that BBC ran today. And this is interesting to me because I'm not totally clear what guidelines, what rule book, or what tools the stewards are given to officiate moments like this. But the BBC <laughs> It's been pretty random for what we've seen this year, yeah, right? Totally, or totally. What we feel like. And so and, anyway. and that's sometimes why I, I step back a little bit of when it comes to criticizing the stewards, because I'm mm-hmm. not totally I'm not totally cool or I'm not totally clear on what tools they're being provided. But anyways, so Mercedes boss, Total Wolf today made reference after the race to the fact that the stewards quote unquote, overtaking guidelines. Now this is important because apparently this is a document that is provided to the stewards before every single race. And before every single race, it is tailored specifically for that track to help them have guidelines and clarity around when to assign penalties if they're deemed necessary. Now, says the BBC, these are not distributed publicly, but they have been seen by BBC Sport. They contain images of two cars on entry to a corner and illustrate when a driver trying to pass has the right to claim it. Hmm. It goes on. They state that if the driver on the inside has a quote unquote significant overlap, then the corner is yours provided you can make the corner cleanly. In the image in the illustration goes on the BBC, the overtaking car is not even as far alongside as Hamilton was as he and Max turned into cops on Sunday. So it goes on, as with so many F1 rules, there's ambiguity there, blah, 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 blah. Hamilton not have a significant overlap, so blah, blah, blah. But the reality is it sounds like there are guidelines specifically for this type of incident, but that by all accounts, the stewards didn't necessarily go by the rule of the book as it were. And again, I don't know that this is necessarily a rule book or whether it's just guidelines, but it is interesting. And it was also interesting that Total was aware and was trying to bring this to the attention of pretty much anybody that would listen, which was by the FIA's own definition, Lewis was in the clear. Again, I'm not, I, say, I'm not I, saying he is. I'm not saying he is, No, but, but that's just no, a report I, by the BBC. I've just been trying to restrain myself as you were talking and just referencing this document there. I was, I, I, I was trying to tell myself, don't be cynical, don't be sarcastic. But when you said it was uh, what overtaking guidelines are given every weekend, I was like, oh, is it a blank sheet of paper? And when something happens, they just, uh, you know, they write something down and say, hey, yeah. look, here we got the... But um, maybe let's strike that comment from the uh, fr- fr- from the minutes. But yeah, you know, it is interesting, too, because I think the steward that was in charge uh, today was Emmanuel Apiro, who was also a former Formula One driver. I believe he drove for Benetton way back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> there, there you go. It's like one of those sort of uh, public service announcements where you've got like some very simple right. examples where there's like one car ahead of the other car. There's like a green check mark. Right. And then another car crashing into the other one. It's got like a big red X through it. But yeah, well, a, a lot to to talk about but Hamilton and uh, Max obviously saying quite a, a, a lot of things I mean I, I guess the big you know shock that I that came to me during the race was although Max when he got out of the car I mean he really looked like he'd had his bell rung. and I mean, he looked too Absolutely. yeah and he did too I don't know if you've subsequently seen it but I did hear the raw audio of his uh, race radio for right. Max's like after the race and you can kind of hear the impact. You hear the engineer on the radio, Max, are you okay? And there's um, there's a period of a couple of seconds of silence and then some groaning and, you know, some expletives. And you, you can just tell that, I mean, this is a guy that just hit the wall at 100, the tire barrier at 180 miles an hour. 
and he's obviously not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. I mean, you you can tell that he he needed to collect his thoughts because that was a, a very, very big smack. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, he got out, we see him talking to the doctor there, but I, I was very surprised, but then not really afterwards when they mentioned that he'd been uh, taken from the medical center at the track to a local hospital for further examination. And as you mentioned earlier, fortunately he's okay. But yeah, it makes you wonder. I mean, does Formula One, and this is something I've never actually you know informed myself about. Do you know if they have like a proper concussion protocol in place that we see in other sports? They do, and I think the principal reason why they took him to the hospital was for a CT scan. I think he had mentioned to the doctors at the crash site that he was feeling dizzy, and I mm. think initial that almost immediately triggers the concussion protocol, and they whisk sure. him away. Uh, I think I've, in the NBA and I think the NFL, a lot of the stadiums actually now have CT scanners and some of this other type of technology. So they can actually do a lot of that assessment on site. Not necessarily the case with Formula One. So I think that was the principal reason that he got whisked away. I'll just, I'll I'll add as well, if you haven't seen it, we posted something to our feed that one of our listeners, Charlie, had sent us earlier today. It's a video from a fan sitting in the stands immediately adjacent to where Verstappen's car made impact. And the speed at which it comes across that gravel trap and into the tire wall is <laughs> astounding. And as it makes impact, there's a cloud of dust and debris that is sprayed into the crowd. And after it settles into the tires, you could hear the folks in the crowd. They're in shock. I think they're they're a little bit taken aback. They're asking each other, are you okay? Are you okay? But the mm-hmm. sense I got was even for the folks sitting in that section of the crowd and the grandstands immediately adjacent to the crash site, the sense I got was that a lot of them were probably winded by the impact of what had happened as well. So I can mm-hmm. only, only imagine what it was like for... For Verstappen, and again, this goes back to something you and I have been talking about over the past couple of months, really this year, when we started talking so much about the role of the FIA and the improvements that they've made to safety. What we saw today was very much the designs of the FIA from 1994 forward, where they really started designing these these tracks. So again, Halo's great and all those kind of things, revolutionary in so many ways. But what we see today and what we take for granted on these tracks with these huge runoff areas, as terrible as it is for the fans, because it cuts down on your line of sight and visibility with the cars, but it's designed specifically for moments like this. So that car has the opportunity to slow down before it makes contact with that tire wall. So again, the circumstances were good, but it was also just crazy that it just happened to be arguably the fastest corner in all of motorsports. Yeah, you know, the, I mean, the gravel is something we don't see in a lot of the tracks uh, exclusively anymore. I mean, we do see like Paul Ricard is obviously the one example that stands out because they have those different stripes of that, uh, yeah, the different color paints with the, uh, what is it, sort of a different levels of uh, grip and things like that. They're meant to slow the cars down, but it, the gravel... I think it really sort of illustrated how it does and doesn't work because, I mean, if you go back to to Saturday and you look at the sprint race, when when Sergio came off of the track, he went through the, the, the gravel very, very quickly as well at a very high speed. And I figured that the next thing that we were going to see was an explosion of carbon fiber and tires bouncing everywhere. But I mean, I guess he hit it just at the right angle that the, the the gravel slowed him down. And I mean, he basically got away with a car that was almost intact. But Max, I mean, just the way that he went through, I mean, his car skipped across the gravel. I mean, that's about the the only way that I, I can really uh, d- describe it. But 
this shouldn't really come as a surprise. I mean, if you see some of the comments that Lewis made after the race, I mean, he basically said that in, in so many words that Max didn't give him enough space in that corner. And he went on to elaborate, quote, I've been giving my all this past week. I've been in the factory just giving absolutely everything. I've been trying to uncover performance for the car with the guys, and I'm so proud for everyone for just continuing to work, even though we've had a bit of deficit. Of course, I always try to be measured in how I approach things, particularly with battling with Max. You know he's very aggressive, and then today, I mean, I was fully alongside him, and he didn't leave me the space. But regardless of whether I agree with the penalty, I'll take it on the chin, and I just uh, keep working i was like i'm not going to let anything get in the way end quote and i mean he does go go on he says he didn't do anything wrong he doesn't uh, doesn't feel any need to apologize which we'll talk about a a little bit uh, later but you know it's different when you're there in the cockpit you're there in the battle and then we have the benefit of sitting at home and, and and looking at all these different replays and things like that before he even really gets a chance to see it by himself but based on you know looking at all the different you know replays and watch i mean there's only really two you've got one that sort of captures it from track level from the corner but you kind of lose the depth because you know it's basically head-on i mean the aerial photo from the helicopter really gives a good look so i can understand why lewis is going to go with that and that that's why i think it's interesting that the the stewards looked at the uh, telemetry from the cars as well Mm -hmm. in addition to the video and and that's why, and we'll talk about this, I'm kind of putting the cart a little bit in front of the horse at the moment, but that kind of makes me wonder whether or not there might be some basis to maybe some additional push from Red Bull for from for additional punishments, just the base that, or on, on the basis that they have this telemetry and say, well, you know, he didn't break, he didn't lift, you know, whatever the numbers show, right? Right. Even if they have that telemetry, I just I can't wrap my head around what type of case they're going to build towards Hamilton. I know. If yeah, ultimately, okay, great. Like you've got some data that indicates that he braked too late, which I think is pretty clear because he carried so much speed in the corner and he was clearly he clearly had understeer, which is one of the reasons why he wasn't able to cleanly make that corner. I don't know what mm-hmm. telemetry or data that they're going to have that's going to help them pitch a case. Like ultimately. Are they trying to frame that this was intentional or or negligent? Yes. You yeah. you just pulled the word okay. right out of my mouth. Barring like any way that they can prove intent that that Lewis intended to push him off the track or make contact like that, then I I don't see what the telemetry, I don't know what the video will prove because yeah, it was aggressive. It was maybe a little bit ill-advised, maybe you know, especially when we're talking about a seven-time world champion that maybe we just expect him to do different in a situation like that. But unless you can prove some sort of malicious intent in that move, I mean, how how do you build a case for further punishment? I I just don't see it. This is really where those parallels came with the folks on Twitter and social media today talking about the Mm -hmm. fact that this is similar to 1997, which is total nonsense. It's total, total, total nonsense. And I think it's really really important to understand that a Formula One car isn't an Indy car. It's not a touring car. It's not a NASCAR. It's not a stock car. These cars are insanely, insanely fragile, and they're designed to sustain virtually zero contact. Now, that's going to yep. change in 2022 because it sounds like the FIA and Formula One are mandating that the front and rear structures have to be 15% stronger, et cetera, et cetera. But these cars are not designed to sustain any damage. And what you're suggesting is, 
Hamilton was either A, knowingly creating contact with the understanding that it's probably going to compromise his race or that he's going to try to create contact, hoping that somehow his car is not going to sustain any damage and he's going to be able to continue on. And in both cases, those are fairly wild allegations. I get it. You know what? I absolutely proportion some blame to Hamilton for the incident. You can see it on the camera. You can't hide from that. But to suggest for a second that this was intentional or that he and the team had designs on making contact with Max, really, I think Mm -hmm. it just goes back to that really great point that you made earlier in this podcast about the fact that Hamilton's feeling the urgency. Friday went beautifully. Saturday didn't Mm -hmm. go beautifully. And I think Saturday played out the exact situation that they were scared they would see at Silverstone, which is Max gets a great start and he's gone. And Lewis knew that. He recognized he probably had one lap, maybe two, to make a really, really aggressive move to lunge into the inside or get him on the outside or get him in a a DRS zone. He ultimately realized he didn't have a huge opportunity to do that because if he didn't, Max is going to be gone and he's going to stretch that title win. So Hamilton wasn't being negligent. He was being aggressive and it's a racing incident. And ultimately, I guess not really a racing incident if the stewards say that there's a penalty attached to it, but (laughs) it was, it was aggressive racing, which is what we all want to see. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, time for another break here. When we come back, we're going to start to looking at some of the things that have come out of the mouths of other people who aren't Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. And we'll do that in just a moment. So don't go away. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, well, welcome back to the show. And yes, we are still talking about that incident. We're still talking about Max. We're still talking about Lewis. And yeah, I guess some other things happened in the race as well. We'll talk about that as well briefly, although I must admit that I found it very difficult to focus on other things. But uh, three cheers to Charles Leclerc. I mean, that was a performance I did not see coming besides, you know, everything else notwithstanding. And certainly it was it was good to see a Ferrari there up on the podium. I mean, when things like this happen and the the favorites aren't there to, I guess, claim the places that we usually expect from them, it gives other people the opportunity to step up. And as happy as I was to see Charles Leclerc really out there and leading the race, I mean, just unfortunately, he did not have enough to to ultimately fight Lewis off in the end. But I think a, a very, very good afternoon for Ferrari. Disappointing for Carlos that that one pit stop, that left front uh, wheel that just did not want to come off, or sorry, did not want to go on, just the wheel gun just spinning and spinning and spinning, the wheel nut uh, just not going on, and I think it was what, about a 12 or 13 second stop in the end. Really kind of uh, spoiled things for him, but uh, I guess P6... Not bad, but obviously he'll be feeling like he he could have done better. Absolutely. I'm sure Carlos feels that he could have done a lot better on sa- Sunday afternoon. Pardon me. Charles Leclerc, driver of the day for me. I don't know if you necessarily agree, but obviously he positioned himself well when that red flag happened. And 
it's interesting because during the red flag, we actually started a Twitter spaces chat because obviously yep. people were excited and there was a lot of, there was a lot of conversation and people wanted to talk about it. And we had a really great, probably 30 minute spaces chat. But during that spaces chat, one of the, the final dialogues was how long is Leclerc going to be able to hold off Hamilton? And I think the, the kind of the perception from the group was that provided there's no damage to Hamilton's car and his arrows in good shape, he's probably going to get him within five laps, maybe six or seven laps. But ultimately the fact that he was able to sustain that pace throughout the course of the lap, I think it really came down to the fact that he did a really great job of managing the curbs and his tire management was excellent. He, he put himself in a position to win that that race. And I remember thinking probably seven, eight, nine, ten 10 laps left. He's got eight and a half, 8.2 seconds on Hamilton. And I'm thinking Leclerc is going to win this race. And for the second time mm-hmm. in a week, Italy's come into England and, and taken, <laughs> taken something really poor important away from them. And at that point, I'm thinking, what a great storyline that this is that Le- that Leclerc out of nowhere comes and seizes an opportunity and manages to close on that opportunity. And unfortunately it wasn't to be, but I don't think that takes anything away from Leclerc. It was, it was a little bit surprising, although maybe not that. And I don't think enough people are asking this question, which is why was Hamilton in a position where he could catch Bottas get waved through when Bottas wasn't himself putting enough pressure on on Leclerc, like how did Leclerc build that gap on Bottas? But ultimately, I don't want to take anything away from Leclerc. That was a brilliant drive today, and it was great to mm-hmm. see Ferrari because that's a team I don't think that we've necessarily talked a lot about this year. So much conversation about Red Bull, so much conversation about Mercedes. I think we've been absolutely glowing, absolutely glowing this year about the McLaren team and the advances that they've made. Mm-hmm. But uh, tremendous performance by Ferrari today. And to your point, with the exception of that incident in the hit with Carlos and that was heartbreaking they could have had even another position or two yeah absolutely and and I think that's a really great point because like you say we've been gushing about McLaren and how they've been doing this year obviously talked a ton about Red Bull a ton about Mercedes and rightfully so we've talked uh, quite a bit about uh, Aston Martin obviously we have uh, a big interest in that team what with the Canadians involved both at the you know as a driver and at the ownership level and just our, our disappointment uh, that uh, that they, they've struggled uh, by and large for most of the season thus far but also I, I do agree that we we just not have not talked much about Ferrari because I think to a certain extent I feel like we've given up on them a little bit just because they have become a bit of an afterthought just based on the year that they had last year that they were terrible for about 75% of the year until I guess maybe about the Nürburgring and then some good performances towards the end. Turkey obviously was was a good race for them, but you know, I, I agree. I think it was a wonderful uh, performance uh, by, by Charles Leclerc. It was completely unexpected, disappointing for Carlos, and I, I think too for Carlos that I think you have to put an asterisk beside him because I still have to think that uh, through the first 10 races of the year, maybe the results that he's had throughout the year so far maybe don't all was reflect it a hundred percent but i have to think that that he is maybe one of i would call the unsung hero i think that for i think i think definitely for one of the guys that changed teams last year i think that he's done better than a lot of his colleagues right. throughout the pit lane compared to your danny ricardo's and your sebastian vettel's etc i think that he's adapted to that ferrari a lot 
sooner than I expected. And I mean, it's not really a kind of a one-two punch, but I think that they do have a pretty good pairing there with uh, with Carlos Sainz and obviously with Charles Leclerc. And it's I, I think it's kind of you know whets the appetite a little bit that you know what the, this duo could do given a, a slightly more competitive car and hopefully on top of that some good pit stops. I mean, you know, credit to Ferrari. Issue on Carlos's um, pit stop, obviously. Charles comes in shortly thereafter, but then they nailed it. I think, uh, I can't remember what it was, but I think Charles's uh, pit stop was in the neighborhood of about 2.5 seconds and no issues there. So they they did redeem themselves for the guy that, that really sadly probably needed the better stop out of the two ferrari drivers no disrespect to carlos i think sometimes mclaren's in a battle and we've talked about this a little bit as well that clearly red bull and mercedes are battling for the constructors and for the drivers but mclaren's Mm -hmm. been very clear that they're battling ferrari for third in the constructors and i wonder sometimes if ferrari knows that they're in this battle because Earlier this year and multiple times, Ferrari has been very clear that they're not developing for the 2021 car, that at the factory, at at the offices, at the shop, at the machine shop, everywhere within that Ferrari ecosystem, they're all in on the 2022 car. So I think for that reason, maybe we've kind of tuned them out a little bit. But if you look at the constructors right now, McLaren sits on 163 points. Ferrari sits on 148. So it's a difference of 15 points. And if you if you look at that DNS that Leclerc had in Monaco, maybe maybe you pick up a couple points there, and maybe the the delta the deficit's nine points. And to your earlier point as well, if you want to use Charles Leclerc as the benchmark of what good looks like in a Ferrari, which is probably a pretty fair benchmark given the fact that he's been very successful in a Ferrari mm-hmm. chassis and with a Ferrari engine. Right now, the delta between the two of them is only 12 points. Now, in in all fairness, Charles, again, had that DNS in Monaco, but ultimately, Charles this year, he's been in the points every race but two. He had that podium in Monaco. Charles Leclerc has been on the podium or has been in the points every race except one with the exception of Monaco. So from a performance perspective, they're not super far apart, and I think that given the fact that from a Ferrari perspective, their focus is on 2022, this is a really good year for Carlos to get familiar with the chassis and with that power unit and that gearbox and the engineers and the mechanics. It's kind of a low pressure situation for him. And I would mm-hmm. suggest that to your point of all of the drivers that made a switch this year, and obviously there was plenty, Vettel and Ricardo, et cetera, he seems to have adjusted very, very smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's kind of interesting, too, when we kind of go back. And I think one of the reasons I think we've downplayed uh, maybe or downgraded our expectations on Ferrari is not just the fact that they said that they've kind of put all their eggs in their basket with the, the 2022 car. But I mean, they've been pretty upfront about that, even going back to last year, saying that they're kind of looking at this in not so much the short term, but kind of the medium term, looking towards developing the new car for 2022 and beyond and really tempering and, and downplaying expectations from the the Tifosi that you know guys we might not get a ton of great results in the car that we have now in 20 and the car that's we're going to be right next year in 2021 like we're going to be honest with you we don't think we're going to be in the position to win races and challenge for championships until 
after 2022 at the very, very right. earliest. Right. And and I, I think that that's uh, part of the reason and, and the fact that they were just so awful for two thirds of the season last year as uh, as well. So, yeah, but um, I, I agree too. like uh, your your comment too that Charles or sorry, Charles is obviously a benchmark of what good looks like in a Ferrari. And it is ironically and i think you know this is a great observation on your behalf that is a low pressure situation for carlos Sainz because they have a car that they're not really expecting to win with so anything that they can get in terms of good results be it good finishes high up in the points or i dare say sneak some podiums here or there or heaven forbid under the right circumstances or a race win let, let's face it. I mean, that's about as low pressure that Ferrari's ever going to get because, I mean, the expectations there are always going to be sky high at, at the best of times. But it is kind of a, a strange situation because there is, like you say so correctly, that that pressure just isn't there at the moment. The other consideration just in terms of that battle, again, whether they know they're in that battle with McLaren or not, I don't know. But the other consideration is, and just looking at the race classifications year to date, uh, Lando now is the now the final driver to have scored a point in every single race this year. So kudos to Lando for continuing to put together a phenomenal season. But ultimately, like if you look at the reliability of that McLaren team this year, they haven't got a single DNF. They've completed every single race that they've started, which is in itself a huge achievement considering they've integrated a brand new power unit into a car that was never designed for that power unit. So <laughs> I know, you have right? to assume, again, from, from just from a luck perspective that you're going to roll the dice at some point, you're going to have a DNF or somebody's going to hit a wall or somebody's going to get collected by somebody else. So again, maybe, maybe that third place is still a little bit more competitive than I think it is. And shame on us because we choose to talk so much about McLaren because it's been such a great story and Lando's such an appealing, charismatic character. And there's been a lot to talk Mm -hmm. about with, with Ricardo and kudos to him for putting together a really great weekend. But Ferrari's quietly not had a terrible season, especially relative to what we saw out of them last year. You know, I can't help but wonder. I mean, we we talk all the time about, well, is is this the race that Mercedes or Red Bull gave away too many points that might might come back to hurt this team or that driver come the end of the year? And I couldn't help but to think just now when you referenced uh, Charles in in Monaco a couple of months ago, could that be the moment that maybe becomes pivotal in that battle for third place Great as point. to who ends Great up point. taking third place between McLaren and Ferrari because let, let, let's face it at this point it's 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 only between those two teams for third I mean AlphaTauri God bless them great team love what they do but they're just not in this conversation at the moment and we're also not going to be in the conversation at the moment because that's a, a really slick kind of segue which I'm going to pat myself in the back for for a very quick break well done and don't go away we'll be back in just a moment and we're going to go over to the the dark side now we we have to talk about some of the things that have been said about the lewis and max accident and we'll do so in just a moment so don't go away we'll be right back with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, welcome back to the show. And yes, we we just can't let go of it yet, Mark. Uh, <laughs> we've got to go back, got to talk a little bit more about what happened between Lewis and Max as we start to start to wind down the show slowly but surely here. Anyways, Christian Horner has accused Lewis Hamilton of dirty driving. Uh, Christian was on the team radio uh, talking to race director Michael Massey, who's in the headlines for once, not by his own accord about something that he said, but being dragged in into it and that's a reference to last week's show for those of you that uh, that didn't catch it anyways uh, christian had to say quote that corner he was never anywhere near alongside every driver who has driven the circus knows that or knows that you don't stick wheel up inside at cops that is an enormous accident it was 100 percent max's corner so you know as far as i'm concerned full blame lays on hamilton who should never have been in that position you could have had a massive accident thank god he's walked away unscathed so i hope you're going to deal with it appropriately Anyways, that's the first quote, uh, Christian Horner speaking to Mr. Michael Massey, the Formula One race director. Afterwards, when he's speaking to Britain's Channel 4, Christian had to say the following, quote, I think it was a desperate move. He failed to make the move in the first part of the lap, which he was obviously geared to do. And then it was just a desperate move of sticking a wheel up the inside, which you just don't do. You boys know as well as anyone, Cops is one of the fastest corners in the world you don't stick a wheel up the inside that's just dirty driving end quotes well christian tell us what you really feel <laughs> well i mean he, he's not pulling any punches he's just come out and he he's he said what he he i mean this is what he believes this is the hill he's going to die on w- what's your take on christian horner's perspective I, it's it's funny and i'm trying to frame this correctly Obviously, I'm not a huge, huge Christian Horner fan. I'm not a huge Helmet Marco fan. And this is probably, in the circumstances that we're talking and in the light of what's happened today, probably not the right time to talk about this. But I think if if Red Bull fails to win either of the championships this year, I think, or both of the championships, I think that organization needs to take a serious look at whether those two individuals are adding the right value to this team or whether they're just creating a toxic culture. But in this mm-hmm. moment... I appreciate the perspective from where Christian's coming. You have to look at it through his perspective, which is his driver, his lead driver, a human being, ended up in a wall at 180 miles an hour after sustaining 51 G. So I think in that sense, he's probably as rattled as, uh, certainly not as rattled as the driver, but he's rattled, he's concerned, his blood's flowing, his adrenaline's flowing. And then at the same time, he's starting to process everything else that's a downstream knock-on effect of the fact that that incident happened, which is ultimately they're not going to score any championship points out of Max, that Lewis has put himself in a position ultimately where he could win the race and secure 25 points himself. The other condition is obviously Perez spun in sprint qualifying and was putting together a terrible race. And I get it. He started from the back and carved his way up to the points before pitting with three laps to go to change on the tires to steal away that fastest lap point from Hamilton. And I think that's really all he was able to contribute to the Red Bull cause this weekend. But I think considering all those things, I can appreciate where Horner was coming from. And I think Mm -hmm. for me, it's that moment where you're driving on the highway and somebody cuts you off and 
for a moment you see red and you panic or that moment where you see your sure. young child and they're in danger and you just you go into panic mode and you don't think you don't think rationally and and you're angry and maybe you say things you don't mean and i just i think in the context of everything i think christian was extremely upset because if you look at the comments from some other people around the paddock there was a lot of and this is other team principals it was a racing incident. If I've ever seen a racing incident, that's a racing incident. Sure, give him a penalty, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that bad. Like if you go up and down the paddock and you talk to other team principals, very few of them had that perspective. But I think he was emotionally amped up. He was worried about his driver. He was frustrated about the fact that that car is probably a write-off. Like you're not salvaging that engine. You're not salvaging that gearbox. You're not salvaging that chassis. There's nothing there. So from a cost perspective, that's going to have an impact as well. But while I don't necessarily agree with much or any of what he says, I appreciate for I appreciate where it's coming from, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, that car is a write-off very much like Valtteri's car was a write-off uh, after Imola. After, after Russell's like, great call. Yeah, yeah, great call. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, a comment here in the live chat from Huffle Puffle. He Huffy. says, uh, he says it would be so much easier to take Horner seriously if he would quit exaggerating so much. He has a legitimate argument to make and just goes off with a bunch of BS instead. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought maybe you might appreciate that, that comment. That's but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, back to your point, though, I, I totally agree with what uh, you, you say as well. I mean, based on the perspective and what, what happened at the moment, I mean, it, it completely understandable that he would take that uh, point of view. Now, talking about uh, Helmut Marco, he said that he believes that Lewis uh, should get a race ban for that uh, whole incident. I mean, this, you know, they were talking about this during the the, the, the race itself, that this was already going out there. But um, Marco had to say, quote, you can't do that without uh, the normal sporting code. I don't know what the maximum penalty could be, but such dangerous and reckless behavior should be punished with a suspension or something. End quote. So again, like we were talking about a little bit earlier, being, you know, you know, un- unless you can prove intent, like they were able to obviously do all those years ago with uh, Schumacher and JV at uh, at the Portuguese Grand Prix, that was pretty open and shut. This is a little bit uh, more difficult and. You know, some people are saying that this might tarnish Lewis's legacy, and I, I kind of struggle with that a little bit. I mean, it'll definitely be a very memorable moment in his career. But and and again, I'm not trying to come off as an, an apologist for either one of these uh, drivers. But again, it's just I don't I don't know how you can push for something more because again uh you know red bull apparently they could try and you know push the fia for more but again you know like what what do you really have to stand on i i at this point i don't absolutely this is actually the second second interesting comment helmet marco has made in the course of the last week i don't know if you saw the comment last Mm. week but last week in interview he made a comment that's Lewis Hamilton destroyed Alex Albon's career. Quote, unquote, Lewis Hamilton destroyed Alex Albon's career, whereby I would say no helmet Marco as the individual solely responsible for developing drivers within the Red Bull Academy and organization. You destroyed Alex Albon's career. And in this case... (laughs) I don't necessarily know what he was thinking. And I spent a lot of the day after hearing these comments, trying to draw a parallel where there was a borderline racing incident like this that ultimately resulted in a race ban. Like, let's be very clear here. 
It was the race stewards that awarded Hamilton a 10-second penalty. Don't be mad at Lewis Hamilton because he was awarded a 10-second penalty. If you're frustrated and you think it should have been a stop-go penalty, which certainly would have disrupted his race in a more meaningful way, talk to the FIA, talk to the stewards. Don't be angry at Lewis because he was given a 10-second penalty, he served his penalty, and he stormed back and won the race. And the same goes for Helmut Marco, which is how do you think a one-race ban is something that's even in the realm of reality if the stewards had already mm-hmm. administered, reviewed, and administered a 10-second ban? To your earlier point, unless Red Bull can make a an absolutely rock solid case that this was negligence unlike anything we've seen before, which is Hamilton pulled out his phone and was checking TikTok when he was going down the hangar <laughs> straight or two worse, he intentionally made contact, then they have no case at all. And furthermore, does Red Bull really want to be on the end of a situation whereby maybe Hamilton does get a one race penalty in a absolutely unique circumstance and they win the championship because of that. I I don't think they also want to win a championship when Hamilton's serving a ban that they had to lobby for through the FIA when there's never been a similar precedence. Yeah, you know, just based on, you know, the the parties involved and just uh, the based on the fact that it's Lewis Hamilton, I I I struggle with that. And and again, I mean, you hear some of the things that Red Bull's uh, talking about. I mean, Max uh, posted on his social media channels afterwards, uh, quote, glad I'm okay. Very disappointed with being taken out like this. The penalty does not help us and doesn't do justice to the dangerous move Lewis made on track. Watching the celebrations while still in hospitals, disrespectful and unsportsmanlike behavior, but we move on, end quote. So, I mean, a lot of strong things being said, which you can understand, obviously, you know, emotions are high. I mean, obviously for, for, for Max, I mean, he's going to be very emotional about it. I mean, Lewis is emotional in a, in another way, winning the race. And I mean, it, it is a controversial victory for Lewis. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I don't think there's, there's any harm in describing it as such, but, you know, kind of like, delving or trying to equate it to something that came out of the you know came from the dark side from from lewis i kind of struggle with that and you know just based on you know his you know his reputation and his history as a as a driver two things on that one that comment that verstappen made about the fact that the penalty didn't help red bull I'm not sure that the penalties are supposed to specifically help an individual team, right? Like the penalty Hmm. exists in isolation of the greater championship. The penalty is based purely on that moment and the incident between two drivers. The FIA and the stewards aren't accounting for the fact that those two drivers are in the middle of a championship battle. And then the other thing too is, did you see that Max Verstappen unfollowed Lewis Hamilton today? No, I did not. No, well, things are getting serious you, now. You know it's getting serious <laughs> if somebody's been blocked or unfollowed. But yeah, wow. so, yeah. I, I don't know really at this point what, what more we really have to, to say, but I think maybe as we come close to wrapping it up for tonight, Mark, I think it is interesting. Uh, just to, some final thoughts from, from Lewis Hamilton, who had to say the following, quote, I've not really seen the footage. I saw a quick quick clip of it when I went back to the garage, but I will go back and have time to reflect on it. I don't think from my current understanding that I'm in a position to have to apologize for anything. 
we were out there racing, end quotes. So, you know, again, you know, it's, that's, this one I think is a kind of a, a tricky one to, you know, kind of come from, from, from Lewis, you know, I, I, I don't know where else. Well, I mean, he did go on to say, he said, I heard that Max is in hospital and that definitely concerns me. None of us ever want anyone to get injured. That is never my intention. So I really hope that he is okay. You know, and then he goes on to say that he's going to get in touch to make sure he's okay. But, you know, it's, 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 it is interesting. I mean, he felt, I wouldn't say justified, but I guess he felt confident enough to stick by his position uh, that he didn't do anything wrong, that that he was okay where he put his car, and that what what happened was just one of those things, which I think by and large we've kind of agreed to in our own. One way. of the other comments that really caught fire today really was kind of an extension of those Verstappen comments about the disrespect of Hamilton celebrating the victory. Obviously, I have a perspective on that. I'm curious as to what yours, especially in light of the fact that Verstappen has certainly celebrated podium finishes when there have been fairly significant incidents on track, but your perspective, should should Hamilton have had a more moderate uh, celebration? Did he even know that Verstappen was in the hospital at that time, or is that something he learned about post-race? Do you think he should have dialed it back? What are your thoughts on Hamilton's celebration today? Well, I mean, we all kind of expect it now whenever, uh, you know, Lewis has a, a victory at Silverstone. And th- this is kind of a difficult one to to think. I mean, I, I can understand why Max would be salty and upset and angry about that, watching it on the TV in the hospital while he's getting checked out from that massive accident and obviously feeling that that he was the victim of some dirty tricks by 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 Lewis Hamilton so I can I can completely understand that point of view again it comes back to the question of intent did he do it on purpose and that whole discussion that we've had two or three times already this evening but again it's 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 a tough one right I mean Lewis like you say he probably didn't know at that point that that Max was taken to the hospital because I think it was mentioned in the broadcast towards I wouldn't say the end of the race but second definitely in the second half of the race and that does not seem to me to be one of those things that would be told to him over the radio definitely in the not. course of a definitely race definitely not you know especially if he was badly hurt would you really want to tell that to lewis at that point during the race just knowing that you know he, there, there's still a race going on what is that benefit if if he exactly, exactly yeah you know if, if anything you know that becomes you know that becomes a little bit problematic because i mean his you know, he could lose his train of thought and, you know, if he's worried or upset or something that he may have potentially hurt somebody quite badly. I mean, I'm just speculating here, of course, but I, I don't think there's any benefit of telling him that during the course of the race, that's something better that's probably told after the fact that, you know, yeah, they've taken him to the hospital, they're checking him out, but it's just precautionary. It looks like he's going to be okay. I mean, does, does that really, I don't think that's something that he needs to know during the race. And then, I guess the, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think when it comes to Lewis celebrating after the race, I guess your point of view that, yes, he was okay doing it or no, he shouldn't have. I, I think that purely is going to come down to, hey, I'm che- cheering for Max. I think that, that this right. was offside. He shouldn't have done it. 
But then if you're a Lewis fan, you're going to have completely the <laughs> the opposite point of view. I, I think it, it really comes down. It's 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 very, I think it's a personal thing. I think that each each camp is going to say, the, the, they're, they're going to have their own theory or their own stance And I think it reflects as well the fact that Lewis was probably very, very much of the opinion that he wasn't at fault for that incident. And it's unfortunate that Max went off and he quickly asked, is Max okay? He was concerned for his well-being, mm-hmm. but he was very much of the opinion that he was not at fault. And I think yeah. because of that, he was willing to take on a celebration. And furthermore... The celebration itself was unique, and you touched on this earlier, because it was at home. It's his home race. It's Silverstone. There's 140,000 people there with Union Jacks. And if you look at his celebration, you know, he he circled the track waving the Union Jack. He got back to Park Ferme. He jumped over a wall carrying the flag and waving the flag. He embraced Charles Leclerc. Was it really that offensive? Should he have taken mm-hmm. a more moderate stance? And you know what? You know, it reported to reported to Park Ferme, gone to the the cool down room, come on the podium, accepted his trophy, and moved on. I don't know because I I feel like part of what he was doing today was showmanship for the people that were there, and that was as much for the folks that were in attendance as it was for him necessarily because he does have an exceptionally good relationship with the fans, especially the fans at Silverstone. And I wonder if I'm in my position in that position and I knew more about what had happened. And maybe if I had any doubt in my mind about whether or not I was Mm -hmm. mistaken in that moment, maybe I I turn it down a notch, but I think he was strongly of the opinion and the belief that he wasn't at fault and it was his home track. And he fought back to overtake Leclerc at the very end and to secure a victory in front of 140,000, and Lewis Hamilton fans. So, so be it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't really have anything to add to that. And I really, really don't have anything else to add this I've evening. I've got one more thing. Oh, the, you one got more one more thing. thing. Okay, and go I, for And maybe it. we should hit these off the top in the future just to make sure we get there. But today, yesterday, sorry, was the third round of the 2021 W Series Championship. And just like the first round back on the 26th of June, Alice Pole Powell of the UK, just like Lewis Hamilton, was victorious. She took pole position. She secured the fastest lap and won the race, which is the exact same triple crown performance she had at the first race at the Red Bull Ring. Nice. Second race, which was also at the Red Bull Ring on July 3rd, Jamie Chadwick, another tremendous British driver, finished with pole, the fastest lap, and as the winning driver. Jamie, of course, part of the Williams Drivers Academy, but great to see that this championship continues to progress. Currently, you have three Brits taking the top three position in the Drivers Championship. So Alice Powell with 54 points, Jamie Chadwick with 48 points, Sarah Moore with 36 points. The next race is the Hungora Ring, followed by Spa, followed by Zandvoort, which I think will be an excellent test of some of these young drivers, followed by Circuit of the Americas and in Mexico City. And of course, I think the most important thing to reinforce once again is that this is a spec racing series. They all drive identical cars. Okay, I promise cool. you that's all yeah, I've that's got awesome. <laughs> it's all good. Anyways, before we go, I just wanted to go back to the live chat because I think comment of the night goes to Nigeli, who says Ferrari wins most handsomest driver lineup of 2021. So there you we go. We talked about that in the spaces today. At- in the spaces chat, we <laughs> talked about exactly that, unfortunately. 
There, <laughs> unfortunately, there you go. All right. Well, guys, thank you so very much uh, for coming to Bye, watch guys. the show tonight, uh, for listening to the podcast. Just a quick uh, programming note. We're going to be here one night early this week. We're going to be uh, dropping the next show on Wednesday night instead of Thursday. So make sure you look out for that. And on behalf of myself and my friend and co-host, Mr. Mark Hamilton, Thank you for, for joining us tonight. If you want to get in touch, by all means, do so on Twitter at ScooteryF1Pod and uh, via email at ScooteryF1Pod at gmail.com. That's it. That's a wrap. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye for now.